Friends, I think it is. it was the recruiting motto of the Marines, the few, the proud, the Marines. And I think we want to say that about our choir, the few, the proud, the summer choir. And... <laughs> Uh, And we want to give thanks for them. They are going to go on a well-deserved break after this week, and and they will do special music all throughout the summer. But certainly when you see them at the end of the service today, you want to give them thanks for what they do for us all year round. This morning, we're going to take a look at Deuteronomy chapter 8. I would encourage you to go ahead and take out your pew Bible, but that said... Uh, today, I'm going to preach out of the message translation, so if it doesn't match exactly what you've got in your Bible, you'll know why. We're going to take a look at God's instructions on what it means to remember. As you go ahead and turn to that, let me pray for us and we'll study the word. Gracious God, we thank you for this good opportunity. Help us do something good with it. In your name we pray, Amen. Just this week, a very, very close friend of mine celebrated his birthday. And this is not just any old friend. This is someone who is very much like a second dad to me. We're so close that when my actual father died, he took a leave of absence from work, and he flew halfway across the country to be there for the memorial. And he did the same thing when my sister passed away. Song and I love him so much that... When our oldest child was born, we made him and his wife her godparents. He is the kind of friend that you can talk to on a regular basis about things like faith and politics and electronics. And this week was his birthday, and I did absolutely nothing. No card, no text, no phone call. I didn't even do the semi-pathetic cursory comment on his Facebook page. And for those of you that don't do Facebook, you have to know that on Facebook, every day when you sign on, it lets you know. It lets you know who your friends are that are having birthdays. And, and social media etiquette is required here that you're supposed to at least put happy birthday, even if you have nothing else meaningful to say. And I didn't do it. And my dear friend had his birthday, and I did nothing. Why? Because I forgot. I forgot. But before you judge me, wait, wait, just wait until you hear what that day was like. There was an all-day presbytery meeting in Fort Myers. That's four hours of driving. On the way back from that meeting, Sung called me to share with me what had happened with Bob Jones, and, and I rushed right over after we got back to Bradenton over, over to Freedom Village to be with his wife. Oh, and before that meeting even started down, down in Fort Myers, I ended up in a meeting with the superintendent of the Manatee County District Schools at 8 a.m. While all of that was going on, we were also trying to get ready for a huge sleepover at the Lee House to celebrate Anna's birthday. There was grocery shopping and laundry and emails to answer. My car needed gas and the dog needed a bath. And by 8 p.m., we were down at the Hobby Lobby trying to get together the last-minute craft ideas for the party. And you know what? I get it. 8 p.m. is not all that late. There still could have been a phone call. And I want you to know that I made that phone call to Paul so that he and I could talk about some other things going on. 
And needless to say, I now feel like I have made a compelling case with you in the court of public opinion as to why my forgetfulness was absolutely and 100% justified. However, that doesn't change the fact that I didn't do anything. It doesn't change the reality that on his birthday, I not only forgot his special day, but I completely forgot about all of those wonderful things that I just shared with you about him. And if we're going to go for complete 100% honesty here, I have to say that I didn't even think about him, not for one second that entire day. And yet still, justifying what did or did not happen on that day doesn't change the reality that I didn't do anything. Not even one little thing. In Scripture, we're repeatedly called to action in response to our remembering. It's not just that we're going to remember something, a person or event, but that in that remembering them, we are compelled to do some sort of action. The easiest way to think about this is with the Lord's Supper. Jesus says this in reference to the bread and the cup. He says, do, do this in remembrance of me. Do is an action verb. When you remember, there is always an action that you can take in response to what you have remembered. If you're in Deuteronomy chapter 8, what you're going to find is that you're going to find yourself in a crowd of Israelites who have gathered around Moses on the plain of Moab. Now, What's happening here, and when we get into the story, we're already three or four generations past our ancestors who were slaves in Egypt. A young Moses, remember him? He was under the command of God Almighty. He led our people out of captivity, and they got out there in the wilderness. And remember that that was no picnic for anybody, not for the Israelites and not for Moses. It kicked off a lengthy 40-year tour of the wilderness, and the people complained about everything from the catering to the accommodations. You know, that trip could have been a whole lot shorter. But let's face it, our people are not really ones who look for or ask about directions. It's almost like a whole group of men were out there leading the party. We're not really keen on following those directions either. But today, today in Deuteronomy chapter 8, we've got a whole new day. We've got a whole new era about to start for the people because... Right after this chapter, Moses is going to tell them that on this very day, they're going to cross over into the Jordan. They're going to get to the promised land. This is going to be a great day. And you love great days, right? Those are the days when God is really great. Great days are awesome just because they are, because there's so much excitement and there's so much joy and so much anticipation. We've got some great days coming up. Graduation is a great day. You get the caps and the gowns and the parents and the friends and and every single commencement speaker. It doesn't matter what field they come from. They all have the same message. They might package it a different way, but the message is pretty much the same. Don't forget. Don't forget what it took to get you here. Don't forget the people who sacrificed so that you could be in this place. Don't forget all the work that you did. Don't forget. And then... Almost always, it's followed by the same thing. Don't now, go out there, don't forget, go out there and do something with all of this. See, you remember, and then you do. 
you remember, and then there's an action. Moses is right on track with this at the start of chapter 8. He's reporting what God said to the people, and this is, what it, this is what it sounds like in the message translation. Keep and live out the entire commandment that I'm commanding you today so that you'll live and prosper and enter and own the land that God promised to your ancestors. Remember every road that God led you on for those 40 years in the wilderness, pushing you to the limits, testing you, so that he would know what you were made of, whether you would keep his commandments or not. He put you through hard times. He made you go hungry. Then he fed you with manna, something that neither you nor your parents knew anything about, so that you would learn that men and women do not live by bread alone. We live by every word that comes from God's mouth. Your clothes didn't wear out. Your feet didn't blister in those 40 years. You learned deep in your heart that God disciplines you in the same way that a father disciplines a child. Now, friends, it would be great. It would be great if all of us could have that childlike faith. But for many of us, faith is a hard-fought battle. We are tested, and there are times when we feel like we're winning, and then there's times where we are certain that we have lost our faith. And it's important for us to remember always both the ups and the downs of faith. That way, when we get to the ups, we won't take them for granted. And when we get to the downs, we know that they're not going to last forever. Scripture goes on to say, So it's paramount that you keep the commandments of God, your God. Walk down the roads he shows you and reverently respect him. God is about to bring you into a good land, a land with brooks and rivers and springs and lakes, streams out of the hills and through the valleys. It's a land of wheat and barley, of vine and figs and pomegranates, of olives, oil and honey. It's a land where you'll never go hungry, always food on the table and a roof over your head. It's a land where you'll iron out, you'll get iron out of the rocks and mine copper from the hills. After a meal, satisfied, bless God your God for the good land that he has given to you. Friends, doesn't this sound a lot like the way that we describe the United States? When you sing those hymns, those national anthems, this is a lot what that sounds like. But make sure, make sure, verse 11, that you don't forget God your God by not keeping his commandments, his rules and regulations that I command you today. See, see right here how this is worded. Don't forget God. We're a long, long, long way from those days, but don't forget. And the way that you don't forget God is by keeping his commandments. There's that action part that we've been talking about. In scripture, the action is you keep his commandments. It goes on to say that make sure when you eat and are satisfied, build pleasant houses and settle in. See your herds and flocks flourish more and more and money come in. Watch your standard of living going up And up, make sure you don't become so full of yourself and your things that you forget God, your God. The God who delivered you from Egyptian slavery. The God who led you through the huge and fearsome wilderness, those desolate, arid badlands crawling with fiery snakes and scorpions. The God who gave you water rushing from a hard rock. The God who gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something that your ancestors never heard of in order for you to give you a taste of the hard life to test you that you would be prepared to live well in the days ahead of you there is a danger friends in not remembering 
And it gets particularly dicey when we're in times of prosperity. It's, it's a lot easier to remember God when the chips are down. But when things get easy, we have this tendency to forget that God got us here. The other problem is that the further we get from an original memory, the greater the risk is of forgetting. And this is one of the challenges that our country faces even today. With each passing year, there are fewer and fewer men and women who experience World War II and definitely World War I firsthand. Each year, veterans go into schools, they go into community centers, and they tell the stories of our country. These are stories that make up who we are. They're the stories that tell the rich history of what is considered to be the greatest nation on earth. And we need to hear those stories again and again because the truth is we're forgetful people. Life gets in the way and and slowly but surely we forget. You have to remember that we now have a generation coming into adulthood that does not have any, any concept of what war looked like in the time of World War II. They have no idea. So if you don't tell them, if you don't tell them and tell them again and again and again, then we're only one generation away from them forgetting. And do not forget that our faith works the same way. We are only one generation away from forgetting our story. Since many of us are already having a hard time remembering World War I and World War II events that took place, while at least we still have one generation currently living and seeing it firsthand, we're particularly challenged to remember the stories of our faith. And that makes those stories even more valuable and priceless because they are the stories of the faithfulness of God to our people. They're the stories that build the foundation of who we are as vessels of grace in a world in deep need. We have to know where we came from. We have to know how we got here. And if you start with Jesus, and Jesus is a wonderful place to start, you do forget that it took us a whole history to get to him so that the world could be changed. If you forget, forget your God, your God, it says in the scripture, and start taking up with other gods and start worshiping them, I'm on record right now as giving you firm warning that this will be the end of you. I mean it. Destruction. You'll go to your doom, the same as the nations that God is destroying before you. Doom because you wouldn't obey the voice of your God. Now that follows up God saying, look, if you think you did this all by yourselves, you are on the road to destruction. If you think that all that we have is because of how great we are, you're going to miss the mark. You're going to get lost. You're going to end up back in the wilderness. Remembering God, remembering our history is only part of the message today. The other part is that we have to do something in response to that remembering. In Deuteronomy, God makes it pretty clear what our response should be. Our response should be obedience. We are to follow the commandments of God. We're to obey his commands as we remember all of his faithfulness. And I think there's some good logic to that idea. If our ancestors had obeyed God, they would not have endured much of what they are remembered for. That 40-year hike in the wilderness, that could have been much shorter. But we refuse to listen to God's command. And part of what makes obedience easier is remembering, remembering 
Because then we can see all of those places where God was gracious and faithful to us, even when, friends, we probably really didn't deserve it. See, we need to remember those times because we need to remember that kind of love and that kind of forgiveness. Because when that's remembered, it doesn't make obedience look like a punishment. It actually makes it look like God has our best interests at heart. Imagine that. Imagine God having our best interests at heart. Now, tomorrow is Memorial Day. It is a day of remembrance, and life will go on. There will be cookouts, and there will be trips to the beach, and there will be sales at the stores, and there will be visits to families. But do not forget that Memorial Day was not invented so that we would all have a three-day weekend. It's not just another day on your calendar with a pre-printed list of holidays. I can't believe that I miss my friend's birthday. There really is no excuse for it. A reminder came up on my phone. It was on my email. His name is printed in big block letters on our family calendar in the kitchen. How I missed it is entirely open to interpretation. But that I did nothing? That's a fact. One of the keys to understanding Memorial Day is honoring the men and women who not only remembered us. It's not just that they remembered us. They acted with their lives to do something for us. It's more than just remembering, it's responding. And if that means for you a trip to the National Cemetery or a conversation with a veteran or simply a prayer of thanksgiving, do something. Do something to give meaning and integrity to that day. Something that reminds you that their sacrifice is not remembered in vain. And then while you're at it, remember the one who made the ultimate sacrifice for the whole of humanity, Jesus Christ. And don't just remember. Do something. Share his story. Love his people. Follow his actions. Don't forget to remember. And don't let life get in the way of acting on what you have remembered. Because the only thing worse than forgetting is going to be to remember and do nothing about it. To God be the glory, now and forevermore. Amen.